You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Check us all out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. Just going to be me today, flying solo. No Doug, no Nada. They will be back tomorrow. We'll also have a guest for tomorrow as well and dive in a little bit deeper to the stats on this Charlotte Hornets team for 2018, and we'll see if they can correct themselves and be a little bit better in 2019, especially after this weekend. Hopefully at the change of the year, there can be a little something when we come back from Christmas break. Hopefully it starts tonight. They have the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight, so hopefully you don't have another hiccup against the Cleveland Cavaliers again. So we all know Kimba has been in a massive slump. I went over the numbers yesterday. I don't want to go over them again. They're really bad. But I will mention the numbers from the last time Charlotte and Cleveland played, as well as Kimba's numbers when they've played some of the bad teams. So after this weekend, fans are throwing the T word out there. Some fans are ready to tank and trade Kimba Walker. I'll discuss that, and also I'll discuss uh, in the last segment of the show, LeBron James has now been blocked nine times at the rim when going for a dunk, including a former Bobcat. So sit tight for all that on today's show. A former Bobcat that blocked LeBron James will discuss the problems with tanking, especially trading Kimba Walker for this Charlotte Hornets team. And we'll dive into some of the numbers that Kimba Walker has had against some of the worst teams in all of the NBA. Charlotte sits at 14-15 and 15 right now. They play the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. They're 8-23 and 23 on the season. The last time these teams played, Cleveland not only beat the Hornets, they embarrassed them. 113-89. There are two games you can go to this season and say that was the worst game Kimba played up to this point. I think one of those games happened Saturday against LA where he had four points, 15% shooting in 25 minutes. It was a bad game for Kimba. I think that's one of them. I think the only other game that compares to that level of inadequacy is is Charlotte's loss to Cleveland on November 13th. In that game, Kimba scored 7 points on 12.5% shooting in 36 minutes of play. They're the only two times Kimba has scored single digits this season. The loss to Cleveland at 7 points and the loss to the Los Angeles Lakers at 4 points. The Hornets have now hit the dunce grand slam, losing to the bottom four teams in the Eastern Conference. In each of those games, all four of them, Kimba has struggled. So the Hornets lose to the Bulls. Kimba goes 5 of 14 with his lowest point total to that point of the season. 23 points. That's like the fifth game of the year. Kimba comes out red hot. He's on fire. So to that point of the season, that was honestly his worst game, which isn't the It's not an awful game. Goes 5 of 14, which isn't great, but he did get to the foul line. He did eventually sit on 23 points for that game. So not too bad, but it was the worst game up until that point in the season. Just the five games that they play. You don't think many much of it, except for that the loss, and then you move on. Kimba continues to play very well until they get to that November 13th game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. The next loss to the Cavs, he has his worst game of the season, certainly up until that point scoring just four points on two of 16 shots, and again, the lowest point total to that point of the year. Their loss to the Atlanta Hawks, 
Kimba goes 7 of 23 from the field. And against the New York Knicks, and that loss, Kimba goes 6 of 20 from the field. So we all know that Kimba has struggled mightily in the last month of the season. But you go to all the losses against these types of teams that they're going to be facing tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers, against the four worst teams in the Eastern Conference, Kimba hasn't showed up in at least the losses that have come their way. So now they have them once again at the Spectrum Center. And I said this yesterday, at least three of those losses, excluding the New York Knicks, at least three of those were on the road. But when Kimba didn't show up, Charlotte had a hard time putting it away. And it's not exactly the reverse when you look at when Kimba doesn't show up against some of the better teams. You can go to some of the better teams that the Charlotte Hornets have played this season. You know, Detroit's not, I wouldn't say, a better team in the Eastern Conference, but Kimba goes 8 of 25 in that game. Did show up in the fourth quarter, though. So maybe you can throw that out. Against Denver, that's one that you can look at for sure and see that Kimba struggled and the Charlotte Hornets were able to win. 113-107, to 107, the Hornets won. They won down the stretch, and Kimba just goes 4 of 11 in that game. Against Milwaukee... Kimba goes 3 of 12, 25%, but the Hornets, they find a way and win 110 to 107. It's weird. The problem with the Hornets right now is that Kimba Walker (laughs) and the role players just can't seem to get it together at the same time. Even in some of the wins that they've had, I just went over the Denver Nuggets victory, just went over the Milwaukee Bucks victory. Kimba didn't have it going on those two games. But they found a way to win. Now, Milwaukee's a little bit misleading because he did get to the free throw line. He did shoot 13 of 16. But from the field, very inefficient. I think that taps into why this Hornets team is so damn frustrating. Because you know if Kimba was just able to put together a normal Kimba performance. This is not the Kimba that we know. I don't think anybody thinks this is the player that is the real Kemba Walker. I think where you're, the real Kemba Walker is, it's not the 43-point scoring guy either. I think it is a next level from what we saw last year. I think it is somebody that can average 25, 26, maybe even 27 points per game, at least flirt with an all-NBA selection at the end of the season. But it's going to be tough when you take a whole month off, like December is coming the way of Kimba Walker. But what's so damn frustrating is that you can't have the good Kimba Walker and the good role-playing at the same time. If you did, then this Hornets team would not lose to some of the bottom dwellers of the Eastern Conference, and they wouldn't even lose some of the close games that they had. If they have guys step up, then maybe you find a way to win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. When they lost to them on the road, 109 to 104. When you lose to them at home, if you just had somebody else step up instead of have Kimba be the only guy that goes off against 7 of 16, it's not like he went crazy in that loss at home to OKC. He didn't have a great game on the road, but he did enough, and the role players just couldn't stand up enough. You know, I mean, there are times that role players will step up like they have lately, and Kimba doesn't, and they find a way to lose. Hornets fans have to sound like the craziest fans out there in the NBA. Because you look at this roster, it's not exactly eye-popping to a lot of people besides Kimba Walker. 
But Hornets fans, and myself included, were all shouting, no, guys, we, we really are good. Like, we can be a good basketball team. And such are the ebbs and flows of an NBA season for a lot of different teams out there. But you know, if, if you can just put Jeremy Lamb's performance in, maybe a Malik Monk consistent game, and Kimball Walker, if you can put all that somewhat together, even somewhat consistently, then you know this could be a good team. We all know the potential that this particular team has, and yet they just can't seem to do it, and they are are married to being 500 and such is the life of a Hornets fan and now it has fans especially the last two games like we can all remember last week when the Hornets went on a three-game winning streak they beat the Denver Nuggets by six points close game able to close them out Nuggets were hot then too they're able to beat the New York Knicks on the road it was a 12-point victory, wasn't exactly a blowout, but they did what they needed to do. On the road, they got a double-digit victory against an inferior team. They put them away, and that's exactly what they needed to do. And against Detroit, they win by one point at home. Now you have a two-game lead on Detroit. They're going to play them again on Friday night. That's going to be a huge game. But you have a one-point lead, a one-point victory against Detroit to have a two-game lead on the season now against them. So that's three games in a row. You're feeling really good. Hey, look at us. We're flaunting a little bit, showing off the purple and teal. We feel good, and we should after a three-game winning streak like that. Deservedly so. You can feel good about that. But then the Charlotte Hornets find a way to lose to the New York Knicks after not being able to beat the damn zone. And then you have Charlotte losing to the Los Angeles Lakers by 28 points on the second night of a back-to-back. But by 28 points, so now we go from the extreme high to the extreme low where, hey, the Hornets, are they flirting with a five seed? Like, what, what is the real goal for the Hornets this season, especially after we went on this streak? And then after this, it's like, all right, tank job. I'm done. Trade Kimball Walker. I'm done with this team. Look, they could be frustrating. But people throwing out the tank word, it's, it's just... One, it's too early, and two, I don't think it's possible, and we'll get into that here in the next segment. It's the season of giving, and we're giving you Daily Hornets Talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page. For just as little as $1 a month, you'll be supporting the content that you depend on, patreon.com slash LOH. Again, that's patreon.com slash LOH. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Hmm. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. It's Walker Mail coming to you live from the Essex Home Studios, a part of 730 The Game ESPN Charlotte. But want to give a quick shout out to the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. I mentioned before the break that tanking is a part of the discussion now, and more specifically, trading Kimba Walker. And I get where that conversation is coming from. After this weekend, 
You saw the Hornets' ability to go right back to 500 again, lose against another bottom dweller, be embarrassed at home again against the L.A. Lakers after a winning streak of three games. It's the longest streak of any kind that they've been on this season. Can't win three game, more than three games in a row. Can't lose more than three games in a row, which is a good thing at least up until this point. But the Hornets, they have an inability to get away from 500, at least in the positive sense. So what we so often discuss here as far as the landscape of the NBA goes is being stuck in this purgatory that is mediocrity, right? We know that a lot of people think it's best to be towards the top of the NBA or towards the bottom, but being in the middle is a bad place to be. And when you look at what the Charlotte Hornets have done, they have been a team that constantly is fighting for a playoff spot. Sometimes they get in as an eight or seven seed, maybe a six seed, and sometimes they're out as maybe that ninth or that tenth seed. And it's not a great place to be in. I think what I do is I look at what Rich Cho did, signing a lot of these guys to these contracts. It was a lot of money. You look at the Hornets' payroll. A lot of guys are making $13 million a year or more, and they're locked up for at least another season. You look at Nicholas Batum, case number one, he's going to be here till 2020, 2021, as long as the Hornets don't trade him. A lot of these contracts end in player options. Bismack Biombo is making 17 mil a year. He's got a player option. He's going to opt in. Marvin Williams at that age, making about 15 million. Got a player option next season. He is going to opt in. MKG, probably the closest you're getting to the value of any of these contracts, making $13 million. I would imagine, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion as much as the other two are, but I'd be pretty surprised if he opted out. MKG, I would imagine, opts in $13 million. And actually, that's one of the things that I'm okay with. He's shown his value this season, even though it's probably a little high. MKG has shown his value. But Cody Zeller, you know, he's making a lot of money. You've got a lot of money to stay in the middle of the pack. Here's my thing, though. If you're going to throw out the tank discussion, especially surrounding the Charlotte Hornets, I think it's problematic in the first place, just surrounding any kind of franchise that you're talking about. But especially with the Charlotte Hornets, I don't think you can tank. Even if you trade Kimba Walker, I think this discussion could have been had a while ago, and we did here on this podcast, what was the right decision, trading Kimba or keeping him. But now you look at Kimba's value, Kimba's value, one right now, it's kind of diminished because of the slump that he's been on for a long time. But also Kimba has half a year left on his deal. It's an attractive one. Not making that much, $12.5 million compared to his play. It's an attractive deal, but this is one of those contracts that's an expiring one that you wish was not expiring. So I don't know what the value is of trading an asset for Kimba Walker and just having him leave unless you're the Los Angeles Lakers and want to bet on yourself that he sticks around and signs with you. Or if you're the New York Knicks or whatever, any of these teams that have the assets to acquire Kimba Walker and are willing to part ways with it, enough to the liking of Mitch Kupchak, I just don't know if you're going to be able to give up those kind of assets for half a year left of Kimba Walker, at least confirmed half a year left, and maybe we'll see if he signs with that franchise. And I don't know if the Hornets can tank because what other assets are they getting in return that would be worth carrying on that kind of money from some of the role players that these teams would be looking at. Like Nick Batum, 
And that's going to be extremely hard to trade him with that kind of contract. MKG still isn't getting a ton of assets in return. Like, even if you wanted to just blow this all up, I, I don't know if they can. This has been a tough situation. When Mitch Kupchak took this job, it was one of the hardest jobs as far as any general manager could take, in my opinion. You're in a small market. You do have Kimball Walker. That's a great athlete. That's a great player to have. But you have a lot of money placed already into people with deals that even if you wanted to back out, good luck trying to find the assets that you deem worthy of actually getting rid of these people in the first place. What I think the Hornets are tasked with doing is, one, either trading for another guy to help alongside Kimball Walker, because I think trading for another secondary scorer, I think that would be big for them. Even though some guys have stepped up, I would do that. Like a Bradley Beal trade, I would do that, especially on that kind of deal. It all depends on what kind of players you're bringing in. But that's one way to have a drastic change to this roster. But if you're not going to have that kind of drastic trade that significantly changes the outcome of a team, I think what you have to do is just wait this out. After 2019-2020, maybe that's when you start to make some moves because you're going to have a lot of money freed up. Bismack no longer on the books. Marvin, no longer on the books. MKG at that contract, no longer on the books. The only guy that's going to be on the books still is going to be Cody Zeller at $15 million and Nick Batum at $27 million. Wait it out and hope that you can hit on some of these draft picks, the one that you're given right now, the ones that are either 17th because you find a way to get in the playoffs or the ones that are 12th or 11th overall because you just miss it. These are how small market teams are able to better themselves. It's not finding top five picks. That's one way, sure. But finding these picks, finding these jewels at the 11th spot or at the 15th spot, that's certainly possible. Look at some of the small market teams in the NBA. This is what the Hornets are tasked with doing. Finding their Giannis. Yes, Easier said than done. I get that. I don't expect Giannis to be in the 2019 draft, but the Bucs didn't either, and now they have a legitimate MVP candidate who's young as hell. He won a top 10 draft pick. Kawhi Leonard, drafted by the Pacers and traded to the Spurs, but Kawhi Leonard was drafted number 15 overall. A legitimate MVP candidate as it stands right now. So two of those guys drafted outside the top 10 right in the range of where the Charlotte Hornets would be picking and have picked in the last couple of seasons. You know, Damian Lillard, he was a sixth overall pick, so he had to get a high one, but still, it's not like he was top five. Steph Curry, let's go to the Golden State Warriors. You see, this is how you build a championship team. Well, yeah, you have to hit on the draft, but you can hit later on. Look at the Golden State Warriors hit on Steph Curry, seventh overall. Draymond, they hit in the second round. Klay Thompson was outside the top 10. And then, of course, that's all attractive enough to bring in a star like Kevin Durant. Go to Portland. As we mentioned, with Damian Lillard being drafted 6th overall, C.J. McCollum was drafted 10th. Bam, you have a backcourt set for the future. Milwaukee not only drafting Giannis, but they also get Chris Middleton early in the second round. Chris Middleton's going to make a boatload of money because he's that kind of player. Bam, you have Milwaukee as a potential team for the future. Let's talk about who has profited from tanking. Philadelphia has, sure. They have done a good job of acquiring some young talent. It took a long time. Joel Embiid was injured a couple of seasons. 
but he's finally a stud. Ben Simmons is a stud, but we had to go through in Philadelphia at least the Nerland Noel, who I think was drafted sixth overall. So again, not a top five guy, but still it was a first round selection for him where they weren't exactly good and tanking was in mind for them. So Nerland's Noel, not exactly a home run pick. Jaleel Okafor, third overall pick, falls. Markel Fultz, they would have had the third overall pick in the first place, but Markel Fultz doesn't look like he's panning out because bad things can happen even at the top of the draft. Yes, it gives you a larger margin for error, but this is what the Hornets are tasked with doing. Finding pieces, actually drafting well. (laughs) Actually hitting on some of these guys that fall to the lower double-digit selections of the draft. Hello, Donovan Mitchell for Utah. The one guy that the Hornets actually missed out on, Donovan Mitchell, he was a 13th overall selection. And looks like a legitimate NBA All-Star. Some struggles here, but you get the point. So I don't know if the Hornets can tank. And even if they could, I still think the thing to do is wait it out. Even if they're frustrating, as we discussed, for a lot of this season. And certainly in that first segment. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. LeBron James gets blocked at the rim for the ninth time in his career. Eight different player did it. Former Bobcat did it. Stick around here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Walker Mail here with you. I told you before the break, LeBron James was blocked at the rim going for a dunk for the ninth time in his career. Eight guys have done it in total. And it was a former Bobcat who was a part of one of those eight players to ever do so. This is in the conversation because Jarrett Allen, last night, young center for the Brooklyn Nets, blocked LeBron James on a dunk attempt and became that eighth player ever to do so. So when this story's come out now, it's on the front page of ESPN. It's a big deal. LeBron got blocked at the rim, so it's a big deal, with it, which it's funny in its own right. But one name popped up there. How about Gerald Henderson? <laughs> Gerald Henderson is one of the eight players ever to block a LeBron James dunk attempt. This happened when LeBron was a member of the Miami Heat. I believe it happened in 2012. Gerald Henderson was able to get the better of a LeBron James poster attempt. Among the other guys that are listed there, Amari Stoudemire did it twice. The only guy to do it twice. Jermaine O'Neal did it. Miles Turner did it in the fourth quarter of a game in 2016. Kelly Oubre did it last season. Jarrett Allen now was put on that list along with Mason Plumley as well. So... How about that? Just funny to see Gerald Henderson was able to do it. And Gerald Henderson, dare I say, may have had one of the nicer blocks on it. LeBron tried to go under the rim, use it as an extra defender to the defender, and kind of throw it behind his back a little bit. And Gerald said, no, thank you. So how about Hendo coming up with a big block on LeBron James? But what's so funny about all of this, like I said, it's a big story, which kind of makes me laugh in that regard. But Jared Allen was excited and was pretty interesting in his answer just said you know what I'm going to end up on the highlight either way I'm either going to get dunked on 
or I'm either going to block it. So I'm going to go up and make sure it's a positive highlight for myself. Here's what LeBron James had to say when he was blocked at the rim after the game. He's in his 20s. I'm in my 30s. It take me a little longer to get warmed up. But um, that's fine. I mean, you're a shot blocker. You, should, you can get a block. It happens. It's probably all over social media. So that's cool. Oh, LeBron, it is all over social media. Just admit you took the L, man. And you've had a lot of dubs in your game. And just admit you took the L. Jared Allen kind of out here. To, he's not talking trash. It's just funny to see LeBron James saying that, yeah, he's in his 20s. I'm in my 30s. Well, if you would have dunked on him, you know, how would we have received that? You probably would have done the LeBron James patented stare down at him. And then we would have moved on and we would have just said, oh, how great is LeBron? But it is a big deal that Jared Allen did it, I guess. Maybe not to the extent that it's being sold, but pretty cool to see that. And I thought it was interesting to see that Gerald Henderson, of all people, a member of the Charlotte Bobcats at the time, was able to get a block at the rim on a LeBron James dunk attempt. That'll do it for the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We got a guest and also Doug and Nada. They'll be back in the studio.